അഹമ്മദ <laughs> Respected elders and dear brothers of Hajj, there are many whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have accepted to perform Hajj. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow them to make it to the holy lands of Makkah al-Mukarramah, al-Madinah al-Munawwarah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala them, the ibadah that they will perform, to answer the duas that they will make. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to include us in their duas and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all the opportunity to perform hajj multiple times inshallah however rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam realized and he understood that majority of the ummah will not have the means to perform hajj and we can see already that due to the exorbitant prices and due to the cost of the packages there are many who are accredited yet do not have the means to perform hajj because they do not possess the funds they do not have the means they do not have the wealth that they require in order to perform hajj and rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam understood that majority of this ummah will belong to that category hence rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam through the mercy that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had placed within his heart he was in fact an embodiment of mercy he had prescribed certain deeds that we can perform and through the performance of this deed a rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam had stated and mentioned and explained you can certainly attain and you can acquire the reward of the haji so that no one is excluded from the ummah a person will come on the day of qiyamah without performing a single hajj 
yet he will receive the reward of performing multiple hajj why because he took the word of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam seriously and he had belief and conviction in the word of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he identified those acts which rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had said carry the reward of hajj and he had performed those deeds with the hope the conviction and the belief that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hajj one such reaction there are a few of these deeds rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam has prescribed them one such deed rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said man ghada ila al-masjid that person who proceeds to the masjid la yaghdu he does not proceed illa liyata'allama khayran aw ya'lamah he goes to the masjid but is motivated by certain intentions he proceeds to the masjid with the niyyah and the intention of learning some khair he knows he will go to the masjid there will be some khair in the form of the words of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the form of the explanation of certain verses of the quran there's no khair better than that rasul allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the quran huwa khairun mimma yajma'un allah says the quran and what the quran contains and the message of the quran and acquiring the quran and learning the quran and studying the quran is better than everything else that you amass and everything else that you have accumulated now think about the things that we desire to accumulate in the form of certain luxuries of this world the certain bounties that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to acquire the material things of this world put all of that together all of that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the acquisition of the knowledge of the quran far far outweighs and supersedes that so he's motivated by this hadith rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said you go to the masjid and you motivated by the fact that i will go over there and learn something there'll be some khair something will be said something new that i will learn or whatever he shared i will learn it i will listen attentively rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam says if you do that you motivated by that to go to the masjid to learn something good to learn a hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam a verse of the quran or whatever khair there is at the masjid falahu mithlu ajri hajjin tamman hijjatuhu rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says you go back from the masjid securing the reward of an accepted hajj it may have taken you 5 minutes in that 5 minutes you learn something the intention and the niyyah that's the important thing and the belief and the conviction in the fact that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it i do not have the means i do not have the funds to go and physically embark upon this life changing journey of hajj but allah has given me this opportunity to earn the reward and you motivated by the hadith allah will give you allah will give you the reward of an accepted hajj in today's pre khutbah talk we study a chapter of the quran a chapter many of us have perhaps memorized we recite it often in our salah from a young age our children are memorizing this chapter of the quran surah an-nasr some have referred to it as surah an-nasr the chapter of conquest the chapter of divine assistance idha jaa nasrullah wal fath 
ورأيت الناس يدخلون في دين الله أفواجا فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان this verse was or this chapter rather was the last chapter of the Quran that was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in its entirety and as a Quran this was the Quran that was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they were Verses that were revealed after the revelation of this chapter, but there was no full entire chapter revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam after the revelation of this chapter. The last ayah of the Quran that was revealed is in Surah Baqarah, ayah number two hundred and eighty-one. وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ Allah reminds us the last chapter, days before the demise of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this verse was revealed. Wherein Allah reminds us all of the day when we will all be brought back to Allah. But this was the last chapter that was revealed in the eighth year of Hijrah. In the beginning of the eighth year of Hijrah, eight years after Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had migrated to Al Madinah Munawwarah, in the beginning of this year, this chapter was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The first chapter of the Quran that was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What the first few verses? We know the first few verses were the opening verses of Surah Alaq. اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم. These first five ayat of Surah Alaq were the first verses revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But an entire chapter, the first entire chapter that was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was Surah Al-Fatiha. Alhamdulillah رب العالمين. This chapter, the primary reason for its revelation. There are many lessons to learn from this chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Nas. But the primary reason for its revelation was to notify Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and to inform him that his time to depart from this world is close. Is to inform him of his demise. That he does not have much more time in this world. It speaks of certain accomplishments. It speaks of certain moments of success that the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam would enjoy. It speaks about the accomplishment of the mission which Allah subhanahu wa taala had placed on his shoulder, and it was the Sunnah, the system of Allah, that the moment the Nabi had accomplished the task with which he was sent, Allah subhanahu wa taala did not allow the Nabi to remain on earth after that. His task was accomplished. And the mission was accomplished. So Allah subhanahu wa taala would then take the Nabi away from the earth. So this surah speaks of those moments of accomplishment in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the primary objective was to notify the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam of his demise that will not take place too long after the revelation of this chapter. So in the eighth year of Hijrah, the chapter was revealed. In that very same year, the conquest of Makkah takes place. In the ninth year of Hijrah, the ninth year of Hijrah, the first Hajj is performed. Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not take part in that Hajj. The first Hajj that was performed in Islam, Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam appointed Abu Bakr radhiyallahu taala anhu. And he was like today you have a group leader or the muallim in the group. He was appointed as the leader of the group, and he had performed the Hajj, the first pilgrimage. 
in the 10th year of Hijrah, Rasul embarked upon the Hajj. Hajjatul Wada, 10th year of Hijrah, in the beginning of the 11th year of Hijrah, Hijra, on the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal, Rasul departed from this world. So not too many years had passed after the revelation of this verse of Rasulullah Upon the revelation of this verse, there is a narration in Bayhaqi that a Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called for Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And he said to her, Innahu qad nu'iyat ilayya nafsi. O Fatima, the notice of my demise is contained within this verse. When Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha heard of this, she began to cry. And then the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whispered to her for a second time and she began to laugh. Fadahikat. First she cried and then she laughed or she smiled. So at first she was overtaken with sorrow. But then when the Prophet ﷺ whispered something into her ear, she became happy. So later on she was asked about these two contrasting reactions of hers to the words of Rasulullah So she said, أَخْبَرَنِي أَنَّهُ نُعِيَتْ إِلَيْهِ نَفْسُهُ When Surah An-Nasr was revealed, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ The Prophet of Allah said to me, O Fatima, I will not remain on earth for too long now. The notice of my demise, the notice of my departure has been revealed to me. When I heard this, I began to cry. And then for a second time, he whispered into my ear, and what did he say? You will be the first of my family members to join me. And six months after the demise of Rasulullah did Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha depart from this world. So that's the primary message in this chapter of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ when O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it applies to every one of us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us and will allow us to enjoy moments of accomplishment moments of success moments of glory accomplishment after accomplishment whether it is a worldly accomplishment or a spiritual accomplishment how do I react when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows me to enjoy that moment of success, that moment of accomplishment, how do I react? Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being told that he will experience, he will witness the greatest accomplishments of his life. Number one, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ O Muhammad, when the ultimate help of Allah arrives, وَالْفَتْحِ and when the conquest, the greatest conquest that had taken place in the annals of Islamic history, the conquest of Makkatul Mukarramah, and when that arrives on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it will arrive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses idha and not in. Right? So in Arabic you have two articles. Like in English, one is you tell somebody, if you come to my house, I will attain, entertain you. If you come. Right? If, the word if in Arabic in, it denotes uncertainty in occurrence. But if I say when you come, there's a difference between if and when. When denotes what? There's certainty in occurrence. Time of occurrence, I don't know. When you come to my house, I will entertain you. I don't mean you. Just citing an example.
تم پیچھا 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 so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say inja if why because if denotes what uncertainty in occurrence اذا جا اذا when it's going to happen certainty in occurrence رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم is promised by Allah you will you will see this accomplishment in your life that ultimate help and nusra from Allah you will witness the ultimate victory and the greatest conquest that any human being can ever enjoy and that is in the form of Makkatul the conquest of Makkatul Mukarramah إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ accomplishment upon accomplishment you and I Allah has given us so many moments of accomplishment think back on your life How many are the moments of accomplishment Allah had given? Ability to come for Jumu'ah Salah is from Allah an accomplishment. The ability to wake up in the early part of the morning and attend the Fajr prayer in the masjid despite the inclement weather and despite the cold. This is a milestone. We have reached milestone upon milestone. Accomplishment upon accomplishment. Worldly accomplishment. Materialistic accomplishment. And spiritual accomplishment religious accomplishments oh muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam you will witness these accomplishments you will enjoy these moments of success in your life moments of glory in your life what else oh muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what else will you see nas and you will see the people oh muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam waraitan nas a time will come oh muhammad You will see the people They will enter into the deen of Allah In groups Can you imagine the level of joy That Rasulullah experienced when he heard this There was a time Where one person would secretly Quietly come to him in the dead of night To come and accept Islam In an environment of fear Here Allah is telling him Oh Muhammad the day will come where you will witness groups of people coming and embracing Islam at your hands. And that happened in the ninth year of Hijrah. So the conquest of Makkah, eighth year of Hijrah. Ninth year of Hijrah, and this is one of the reasons why Rasulullah did not participate in the first Hajj. That was led by Abu Bakr who He had to remain in Al-Madinah to Munawwara. Why? There were Muslims from the entire Arabian Peninsula that were coming into Madinah to Munawwara and embracing Islam at the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A moment of success, a moment of glory, a moment of accomplishment for the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just to digress, that year, the ninth year of Hijrah, that is known as Amul Wufud. Amul Wufud, the year of the delegations. Many of us who have visited the Rawdah in Al-Madinah to Munawwara and you had the ability to spend some time in the Rawdah in Al-Madinah to Munawwara, may Allah give us that opportunity to go there multiple times over and over again. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about the Rawdah. So the Rawdah is that special spot in Al-Masjid al-Nabawi. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about the Rawdah مَا بَيْنَ مِنْبَرِي مَا بَيْنَ مِنْبَرِي وَقَبَرِي رَوْضَةٌ مِنْ رِيَاضِ الْجَنَّةِ That piece of land between my minbar and between my qabar that piece of land is a garden from the gardens of Jannah Ulama have differed with regards to the explanation of this Some maintain the view that that piece of land 
was actually part of Jannah. Allah extracted it from Jannah and placed it there. Another interpretation is that that piece of land will not be destroyed when the entire world collapses on the occasion of Qiyamah. That piece of land will be released and it will be installed in the gardens of Jannah. When we visit the Rawdah, there are five pillars of significance there. Many of us might know these pillars, right? We don't have time, too much time to go into the background and the significance of each pillar. But it's important for us to know that special spot. You have about five pillars in that area. The one pillar, the most significant one, and our Rasul sallallahu won't have time to go into the background. But where this particular pillar stands, that is the most virtuous and the most significant place in the Rawdah. It's called Ustuwanatu Aisha. You'll notice there are certain, some pillars. They have a green plate on those pillars and in, and in gold they will be written Ustuwana to Aisha, the pillar of Aisha. That is the pillar Rasulullah said about that spot or around that area, not that exact pillar, right? But around that region, Rasulullah said that the angels strong to be around that area. Your du'as are answered when you make du'a at that spot in Rawdah. Then more towards the left, if you are facing the Qibla, more towards the left, you have Ustuwana to Abi Lubaba, the pillar of Abu Lubaba, or the pillar of Tawbah, where Abu Lubaba fastened himself until he was forgiven by Allah. Again, that's not the actual pillar, but around there, somewhere in that region. And then you have three pillars that are adjacent to the road, to the apartments of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You have Ustuwana to Saril, you see it, you can't access that area, but you'll be able to see that pillar and you'll be able to see the name of the pillar written on the top. So Ustuwana to Saril, the pillar of the bed. Why is that known as the pillar of the bed? Because approximately in that area was the bed of Rasulullah when he would perform i'tikaf in the masjid. Next to that, you have Ustuwanatul Hirs. Hirs, the pillar of the bodyguard. When Rasulullah first arrived in Medina to Munawwara, one of the Sahaba, according to some narrations, it was Ali radiallahu ta'ala, who he would stand outside the house of Rasulullah and guard the Prophet and he would stand approximately around that region. Then the third pillar, and that is the point that I want to make, is called Ustuwanatul Wufud. The pillar of the delegations. Why? When they arrived in the Wasallam, would accommodate them in that region and it was there where they would embrace Islam. So Allah says, O oh Muhammad that was the ninth year of Hijrah. Droves and droves of people came and embraced Islam at the hand of Rasulullah From as far as Yemen, people came and accepted. Muhammad You will see the people. Your efforts will not go to waste. You will see multitudes of people coming and embracing Islam at your hands. And all of them will come into the deen of Allah. Mission accomplished. Your task will be fulfilled. What do you do, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa When you witness that, you will see the divine assistance of Allah. You will witness the conquest of Makkah. You will see droves of people coming coming at your feet, embracing Islam, 
and sitting in your camp, Allah then says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ Glorify Allah. If there was anyone in human history who had the right to attribute his moment of success, to attribute his moment of glory, to attribute his accomplishment to him, to his own self, it would have been none other than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But even Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is told, when you witness that moment of glory, that moment of success, and you are right up there, and you've achieved, and you've accomplished, Allah says, immediately glorify the praises of your Allah. Attribute it to Allah. You and I, Allah has allowed us to accomplish so much in our lives. Allah has allowed us to accomplish and to enjoy, to enjoy moments of glory. Growing up, milestone upon milestone. One of your worldly accomplishments, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had allowed you to enjoy. You went and you studied and you graduated. And then you worked and you earned. And then you got married. And then Allah allowed you to have children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to move up the ladder one step at a time. And you've achieved and you've accomplished every accomplishment. Allah says, Don't glorify yourself. Don't praise yourself. Don't claim success for yourself. فَسَبِّحْ immediately. Attribute it to Allah. All of that, owe it to Allah. And the more you do that, the more you attribute your moment of success to Allah, the more you attribute your moment of accomplishment to Allah, the more you attribute your moment of glory to Allah, the more Allah will allow you to achieve and to accomplish in life. Why? Allah's help will be with you. But the moment you attribute it to yourself, the moment you do that, there's this thought that comes within the heart, the thought that comes within the mind, that what I see before me, what I see in front of me, it is because of my knowledge, it is because of my piety, it is because of my, my acumen, it is because of my hard work. The moment you do that, Allah leaves it to you to deal with it. The out of Allah, is, and you know in Arabic there are two terms that are used to denote succession. Succession, one thing happening after the other. One is fa, fa means so or then. And you also use tumma. Tumma also used means then. Allah did not say when you, when you, when you re- realize your moment of achievement and when you have reached your moment of glory and you have accomplished what it is that you seek to accomplish. Allah did not say tumma sabbih. Allah says fa sabbih. Immediately attribute it to Allah. Two ways that you can do it immediately. One is say Alhamdulillah, immediately. When you step into your home and you're fascinated by what you see, you step into your business, you step into your office, you step into your practice, and you are fascinated by the clients and by those who seek your assistance and those who are, who are demanding the services that you provide. At that point and at that time, when you are fascinated, you are impressed. You look at your vehicle and you are impressed by what you see. You look at your qualifications and you are impressed by what you see. Immediately say, Alhamdulillah, number one. Number two, MashaAllah, la quwwata illa billah. MashaAllah, this is what Allah wanted. La quwwata illa billah. 
I have absolutely no strength. I have no ability. I have no knowledge. I have nothing except with the permission of Allah. So number one, we are taught in this beautiful surah and chapter of the Quran, when you, when you experience a moment of success attributed to Allah, even your spiritual, even your spiritual accomplishment. That's why after salah, the first thing we do after salah, what do we do? Allahu Akbar, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. You're seeking forgiveness from Allah. You did not commit a crime. You were engaged in the great act of ibadah of salah. But you are seeking forgiveness from Allah. Why? Perhaps the thought enters your mind that I prayed salah because it was something I had done and something that I had accomplished. To negate that thought, what do you say? Astaghfirullah. وَبِالْأَسْحَارِهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Allah said at night in ibadah, they're not clubbing, they're not drugging, they're not spending the night in some den of sin. The entire night they engage in tahajjud and dua and ibadah, but at the end of the night, how do they end it? They make an istighfar to Allah. Why? Oh Allah, let it not be that I attribute the spiritual accomplishment to myself. You gave me the ability. bihamdi rabbik. Wallahi, wallahi, especially to the youngsters. If you want to succeed in life and you have set certain targets for yourself and you want to realize the fulfillment of those targets and the fruition of your goals, attribute every success to Allah. Allah will allow you to keep on achieving and accomplishing in life. Allah will be with you along the way. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember we said the primary purpose of the revelation of this chapter is to inform Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of his demise. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How many of us? Allah allowed you to go through the different phases of life. Different phases of life. And you've seen it all. You have accomplished it all. Allah is saying now, Prepare for the descent. You've seen it all. Allah allowed you to become a spouse. Allah my father. Allah allowed you to become a grandfather. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to achieve and to accomplish and to build and to build and to enjoy moment of success, moment of glory. And now when you are right there at the top and years of your life has subhanahu wa ta'ala saying now prepare for your meeting with Allah. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكْ O Muhammad, now glorify the praises of your Allah. Your mission is done. Your task is over. You have lived your life. There remains a few years of your life now. Now your time to Allah. Worship Allah. Think about that person who boards a flight. When he is in mid-air, when he is in mid-air, and there are still many hours for him to arrive at his destination, during mid-air, he doesn't really think about decent, right? You don't think about decent when you're in mid-air. When you're in mid-air, you are concerned about your entertainment, you are concerned about your sleep, you are concerned about the food that is provided for you, and so on and so forth. That is what you are concerned about. But the moment the pilot announces that we are about to descend and we are nearing our descent, there are announcements that he makes. Buckle up, put your seat in the upright position, Fold your tray table, open your blinds. These announcements are made. What happens immediately? That which was not on your mind. You weren't thinking about decent. But the moment these announcements are made, priority is what? Decent. Now you start preparing for decent. Even at that time, if they offer you food, if they offer you a bed to sleep, if they offer you something 
You are not concerned about that. What are you now concerned about? Your primary objective is what? Decent. Allah sends us announcements. You reach that point in your life where you know now it's time for decent. The only thing on your mind should be decent. Malakul Maut is waiting for me at the arrival terminal to receive me and to receive, to receive my ruh. Allah sends us announcements. Old age is an announcement. You are nearing decent. Allah speaks of it in the Quran. Ibn Abbas says, Your hair turning white is an announcement from Allah. Decent is not too far. Your focus now should be on decent. Preparing for the descent. Buckle up. It's time to buckle up. Priority should now be given to my final destination where I will be received and ultimately taken to my meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا How beautifully Allah ends this. Sometimes a person thinks, is it that simple? End of my life. I make tawbah and I'm forgiving. And Allah give me. I spend 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, a life of heedlessness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, let shaitan not plant that thought in your mind that you will not be given because of your past. Thought in your mind that you will not be forgiven at the end because of your past. Allah says, innahu. Undoubtedly, Allah is prepared to forgive you over and over and over again. I conclude on this. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says, Towards the end of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and after this verse was revealed, this chapter of the Quran was revealed, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would recite, because Allah told him, فَسَبِّحْ so he would say, Subhanallah, bihamdi rabbik. He would say, Alhamdulillah, wastaghfirhu. He would say, Astaghfirullah, wa tubu ilayh. So towards the end of his life, as he was preparing for the descent, and he was preparing for his meeting with Allah, excessively and consistently, he would recite these words, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Astaghfirullah, wa tubu ilayh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.